to journey with Jen Miskoff as I explore worship, surrender, revival, and just begin to share my heart in a new form and a new way in this generation. So thank you guys for joining my life and my journey. It's uh, an honor to walk alongside you um, for such a time as this. And um, today I wanted to talk about something a little bit more controversial, uh, a subject that I don't necessarily have answers for, but I want to initiate uh, the beginning of a dialogue and a conversation um, so that we can grow together in seeking God and finding solutions and answers that are in his heart. So um, I do want to talk about a little bit about what we're facing right now with the coronavirus and talk about how do, how do we as Christians filled with the Holy Spirit position ourselves to walk in peace, to um, live above, above the storms, but also to know what our role is to play in, in what's happening right now. And so um, I, while I don't feel I have any answers, I do feel that I have some hope as we look at history and find out what people in the past have done when they face similar storms. And, uh, and I don't normally do this either, but I feel like for some of you listening, it's going to be important for me to let you know I am a, a doctor. I have a PhD. Um, one of the main subjects that I studied and got my doctorate in is divine healing and studying the healing movement and looking at theology of healing, also pneumatology, theology of the Holy Spirit. And so um, I'm coming to you with some study kind of in my background. My whole thesis was on a, a woman that pioneered some of the earliest healing homes in our nation, Carrie Judd Montgomery. And so this uh, healing and uh, dealing with sickness and illness is still, to be honest, um, something I'm, I'm processing with, but I do find it um, unique in my own personal life that uh, I was born, many people don't even know this, I was born, I think I was two, under three weeks old as a brand new baby, and my father was diagnosed with uh, a disease they didn't know about at the time. It, they later found out it was transversalitis or something crazy like that, um, but he was going to be paralyzed from the neck down or completely die. And through a series of um, calling out to God and people praying for him, and potentially even an angel who, who was a nurse in his room um, just singing over him, he ended up waking up the next day and be, being able to move his toe and continue to experience healing from that day forward. So all of my upbringing, I had my father was fully functional. He could throw me really high in the pool and we could play baseball and softball and he, he had no um, ill effects of that disease that almost took his life when I was a baby. So it's interesting. I was actually born into healing because of that. My, my family, who were kind of nominal Christians, religious people, um, they, they became born again. So I always say it's because I came into the world that they <laughs> discovered the life, uh, abundant life with Jesus. But uh, they actually just rededicated their lives and really got hungry for more of the Lord. So I was blessed to grow up in revival um, in the Anaheim Vineyard under John Wimber. And um, it's a lot because of my family who came before me um, through healing. Uh, they were reawakened to more of the Lord. And so uh, it's not something I normally go after, necessarily physical healing when I minister. Most of the fruit that I notice is emotional healing or spiritual healing. And I do feel like there's a season shift in my own life of realizing uh, that, you know, I really think there is more anointing. There is more 
revelation of the Father's heart, there's more authority to actually go after physical healing as well. And so I'm kind of, that's kind of where I'm at in my journey of um, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Let's, let's see the kingdom come in every single form. And I believe that God has, has given us authority and dominion in those areas. And many times those are untapped. And while I still don't have all the answers and I'm, I'm not even going to try to explain um, what we're facing today because it's just, uh, it's just challenging. Um, and, and there are people that are dying and I, I think that breaks, it breaks my heart and it's been heavy on my heart, but I do feel like there is, um, uh, just a silver lining. I think, uh, some stories and testimonies of the past that can offer us hope and maybe a new perspective as we, as we step into what God's doing in our generation. And so, um, as I've been just praying uh, about what we're facing as as a generation because it's all around the world I just I decided I was going to look back in history and look at some revivalists and and see where there was epidemics or viruses or or things uh, kind of attacking their generation or um, destroying lives and, and see how these people handled it because I wanted to know what they did back then so that can prophesy into what it might look like for us as we kind of approach what we're facing today. And so um, the first person I looked at was Dorothy Trudeau. And Dorothy is uh, from Switzerland. She was born in 1813 to 1862. And she is actually known as the grandmother of the healing home movement. She did healing homes before before uh, John G. Lake, before Carrie Judd Montgomery, before A.B. Simpson. And, uh, and the way that her ministry started was it was initiated when several of her coworkers at the florist shop she was working at became ill and they couldn't be cured through medicine. So she meditated on the James 5 prayer, the prayer of faith will raise up the sick. And uh, it says, is anyone sick among you, among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will raise up the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And that was kind of the scripture that was highlighted. Every move of God, every um, revival has certain themes, theological themes, certain scriptures in history that are highlighted. And uh, for the divine healing movement, that James 5 prayer was kind of a key prayer. Obviously, in Azusa Street Revival, early Pentecostalism, Acts 2 was the defining kind of scriptures that informed that movement. But in, in this time, it was James 5. And so after she read that, she just said, I'm going to actually step out and believe the scripture and I'm going to pray for my fellow employees. And so after she prayed and stepped out in faith, all of her employees recovered, which was amazing. But then not long after, in 1851, there was an epidemic that hit Switzerland. And because of this epidemic and all these people getting sick by a virus or something that was going around, Trudell was flooded with people who came to her seeking healing. And because of the amount of people that needed healing, she, she responded by opening healing homes in Man Manendorf in Switzerland. And these became some of the earliest healing homes uh, I've ever really researched and, uh, and really pioneered. She's the pioneer of pioneers and responded to the needs of the day. And um, just amazing to see when she was faced with something, she did, she kind of went in the opposite spirit. She didn't come under the fear, uh, 
of what was going on, but she said, oh, I want to meet the needs of the people and I want to create something that can bring healing to them and can bring love and can bring um, encouragement. And so that's Dorothy Trudel. Amazing. Um, Charles Cullis came after her as well. He was on the East Coast and he opened up years before even a healing home. Um, he opened up a home for people who were dying and he wanted them to be able to die with dignity. And so it was a home where he would care for the dying and the sick. And, and then later on, he ended up opening a healing home and he's known as the father of the healing home movement. And, uh, Carrie Judd Montgomery obviously had her own, uh, radical healing and, uh, and, in 1879 and from that act of faith when she stepped out in faith and was healed uh, she stewarded her healing testimony in a little book called the prayer of faith and that went around the world and gave people courage that they could pray for healing as well and step into that and many people got healed back then because of that but also people read her testimony um, today and they read her testimony today and step into healing as well and so um healing home movement began to spread. The reason there was uh, healing homes in the first place was because at that time in the 1800s, in American evangelicalism at least, uh, it was not okay to talk about healing in the church. It was just too controversial. It was offensive to people. They, they believed at that time it was good to suffer as unto the Lord. That's how you honor him. They didn't believe that God's a good God and wants to heal. And through Carrie Judd Montgomery's story, um, you can, you can hear that in another podcast. I, I share where I basically share her whole story. I think it's one of the first ones that I, I released on here. Um, but that actually catalyzed people to shift and pray for healing. And so it's just amazing. Another person that had to address epidemics in his day is a man named Reese House and Reese is from uh, Wales he was a part of the Welsh Revival in 1904-05. That was a revival marked by uh, prayer, testimony, and worship. It was a revival marked by the presence and glory of God. It was just a, a pretty special, one of my favorite revivals, actually. I'm, I am sitting in a Welsh Revival chair as I record this. And uh, it, it, I've been to places in Wales. I've been to Reese Howes Bible School. I've been to Evan Roberts' uh, home where he was born in. I've been to the church where the revival broke out. It is just a very special, very special revival. And um, and Reese Howes came to a place in his life where he had to face uh, an epidemic as well. He served as a, a missionary after the Welsh revival in Africa for a season. And in 1915, there was the influenza that hit Africa and over 65 people in Reese Howe's mission were stricken with it early on. And hundreds of people were actually dying from this um, influenza that was spreading in Africa. And they were uh, just suffering all around him. And he believed he heard from the Lord that no one in his mission base would die. And to activate what he felt he heard from the Lord, he made a declaration over his mission base. And he said, I, I basically something to the effect that he declares that it will be covered in the blood of Jesus and nobody will die in his mission base. And a nearby chief, um, there was, you know, witchcraft and other things, um, heard about this and asked if he could bring people there for protection from the disease because he couldn't do anything to keep these people safe. And word spread that within a 20 mile radius of the mission that he was at, that the white man 
was able to keep death away. And they were referring, of course, to Reese House. The witch doctors could do nothing to help these people. Then beginning with five of the most hardened men, people began to flock to the mission base for safety. And there was not one single death at the base during this time of tragedy and outbreak in the in the region. And uh, I just look at that story and I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, let's declare the blood of Jesus over our lives, over our families, over our houses, over our regions, over our nations. Um, you know, the, there's something about um, the authority we have in Christ and Reese House tapped into that and amazing, amazing that he stewarded this space of healing, divine healing in a beautiful way. Um, later on, in his life too. I love this story. Um, it somewhat relates to this in, in a way, but through intercession during um, the time of Hitler and Nazi Germany invading different regions, they got they would just pray. They would just get on their faces and pray, and they believed they could shift the war through prayers. And as they would pray, they would get prophetic words. Oh, Germany's about to invade Russia, and they'd get they'd get this, these strategies of of the opposition, and and they would get those strategies via prophetic words and revelations and then they would pray against it and they actually saw results of the armies being redirected out of Russia and they, they saw results from their prayers and so in that I believe there is a key with intercession as well um, we don't fight against flesh and blood we fight against principalities and powers there is sometimes you know sickness is not of the Lord and we have power, authority, and anointing in Christ Jesus. And I think it's learning how to tap into that. Um, a man named John G. Lake was one that definitely tapped into this authority and anointing that God has given us. And John G. Lake uh, is originally from Canada, Ontario, Canada. And uh, he was in the 1800s as well. And he had a powerful ministry in South Africa. And the story of how he even got there is crazy. Um, I won't go into that now, but it's just pretty uh pretty crazy how he even got there and stepped out in faith with his whole family but he's in he's in south africa and after a season of um doing missions there 1910 uh, there was a deadly plague uh, i'm not sure if it was the same plague that reese Howell's faced but it was a deadly plague and it was spreading and during this busy time of him ministering to the sick and dying a doctor who was visiting his mission asked him how he was able to protect himself from the deadly virus and Lake replied that it was the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And he said, I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me for the spirit of God will kill it. Then he did something quite extreme to prove his this point to the doctor and I I'm just, first of all, that statement is pretty profound. So much confidence um, in God. Uh, what, what a man of faith to have that much confidence in God that God would back him up. So to prove it to this doctor, he did something extreme and he became a human experiment. This is what John G. Lake said to the doctor. He said, if you will go over to one of these dead people and take the foam that comes out of their lungs after death, then put it under the microscope, you will see masses of living germs. You will find they are alive until a reasonable time after a man is dead. You can fill my hand with them and I will keep it under the microscope. And instead of these germs remaining alive, they will die instantly. 
And so this is what he told them to do. And when they did this experiment, they saw that what Lake had communicated before was right. He explained that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and a man's body are filled with the blessed presence of God, it oozes out of the pores of your flesh and kills the germs. Lake continued that if his soul had been under the law of death, or if he was in fear and darkness, then there would have been an opposite result. Lake believed that the result would have been that my body would have absorbed the germs, these would have generated disease, and I would have died. So that's some courage right there. Um, it reminds me of the story of leprosy in the Bible where Jesus is approached by lepers and usually leprosy would spread but when Jesus saw the lepers he touched them and instead of him become becoming contaminated and getting the sickness through the power of, of the spirit living inside of him they were healed and that you can find in Luke 17 Mark 1 40 to 45 Matthew 8 1 to 4 we also hear the story of the Apostle Paul in Acts 28 Verse 3 to 6, where he's bit by a poisonous viper snake and shakes it off into the fire and is completely fine. So there's this almost divine health um, that we're seeing. So, you know, these, these stories of these revivalists and how they approach similar epidemics makes me challenged, makes me um, really want to press in to seek the Lord for solutions and what does it look like to take dominion of um, the spirit of sickness and affliction? What does it look like through our intercession, like Reese House, that we can dismantle um, this coronavirus through our prayers? We can stop this sickness from spreading. What does it look like to pray and intercede for downloads from heaven, for medical professionals and scientists to quickly discover a cure? Um, I really believe in all forms. I really believe the Lord uses medical professionals. He uses the power of God. Um, he covers us with the blood of Jesus to protect us. Um, you know, I, I think there's something unique in each of these testimonies that offers hope for a better way and shows us a path of possibilities that we can also tap into as we access the same resurrection spirit that raised Christ from the dead living within us. All of these uh, revivalists, they had the same Holy Spirit that we have today living within them. And they did great feats in their generation, again, in the opposite spirit of the death and the sickness coming against them. And I, I believe that um, it's just a form of encouragement for us today to do the same. Um, you know, I'm, I'm right here with you. And um, I know we have a God of the impossible. We have a God that is over sickness. He's over everything. And so while I don't have necessarily answers, I do have a sense of hope that as we keep our eyes on Jesus, as we worship him in the midst of sickness and disease, as we pray, as we, as we step into the authority we've been given and, and walk in, in the Holy Spirit and, and come under the blood of Jesus, I believe that we can see God shift uh, what's coming against our generation through intercession and prayer. We can dismantle this, uh, this virus in the name of Jesus. Um, I, my heart goes out to those who are sick and those who have already lost their lives. Um, I, th I think it breaks the heart of God um, as well. And uh, I just pray in the midst of this that we will be people that steward hope, steward peace, and um and declare that God is good and declare that no sickness will enter our lives um, and that God will bring healing 
to those who have been affected. God would bring downloads uh, to those who who He's anointing to come up with a cure to bring help. And so, just I just encourage you guys. Let's partner in prayer. Let's partner in prayer to see God move and come and bring healing and see let's let's partner in prayer to see his kingdom come in our generation for such a time as this like this is not okay this coronavirus that's spreading is not okay it's not god's heart and we have power authority and anointing and dominion as christians and so let's just channel together our prayers and stand in the the truth and the resurrection power that raised christ from the dead that's living within us and declare that this virus stops in the name of jesus that the blood of jesus covers every single person that anyone that's been affected that they would be healed right now in the name of jesus and that it would stop, the tide would turn, and, and I believe through intercession and prayer we can see God do a great thing, that revival would be birthed in the midst of this time, as people are, you know, maybe some people are partnering with fear, let's bring hope, let's bring love, let's bring a Savior named Jesus to, you know, we, we live so, such temporal lives down here, let's point people to uh, the, the eternal God that is full of hope, that when we do die, we know exactly where we're going, we're going to spend eternity with Jesus. So so let's really press into the Lord during this time. Let's keep our mind and eyes focused on Jesus. Let's bring that peace that passes understanding to those around us and, and walk in wisdom, walk in discernment, walk in authority and dominion. So thank you guys for listening to my heart and to my process. Really, this is a dialogue. This is a conversation. I don't necessarily have answers, but I do have hope. And um, hopefully you were blessed by this. If you want to learn more about some of these revivalists, um, check out Life on Wings, The Forgotten Life and Theology of Carrie Judd Montgomery. I talk about Dorothy Trudell in there, and I give a pretty in-depth um, conversation of Carrie Judd Montgomery's story and the birth of healing homes and divine healing in the 1800s. Also, if you want to learn more about John G. Lake and about Reese Howells, you can see chapters of them in Defining Moments by Bill Johnson. Um, and I also helped with that project. And so I just encourage you guys during this time um, to keep pressing in for more of the Lord. And thank you so much for listening to my heart and joining me. I bless all of you in the name of Jesus. Amen.